We are all word of mouth. So the most effective marketing strategy that we have is doing a really good job with what we do. Biz Women Rock, episode 126. Let's go. What's going on? This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. I'm so excited to introduce my guest to you today, but before we get into the main show, it is Biz Women Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, we take just a little bit of time to highlight one of the fabulous women who are part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today, we're shining the light on Lisa Doble. She's the founder of My Eternal Family Tree, which has created the BioEarn, which is a biodegradable pet urn. So for those of us who are total pet lovers and our pets are like our kids, this is such a unique way to memorialize our pet um, in a really uh, natural way. Uh, She's been winning tons of awards for this unique product. So big congratulations, Lisa. If you would like to find out how you could be a part of this Biz Women Wednesday series, just go to bizwomenrock.com. Today's guest is Avi Gardner, and she's the founder of a company called Front and Center Marketing. And what she's done is she has combined her passions for whole foods and natural foods and really healthy foods with her love of marketing. So what she actually does is help food brands get out there and market their company in a very specific way, which I thought was very interesting. She is not your, you know, all-in-one service marketing company. She specifically helps food brands drive in more sales and acquire more customers by actually tasting the product. So if it has anything to do with sampling, whether it's, you know, via coupon or whether it's actually at a table, at a particular food tasting event, what have you, that's where her company comes in handy and helps the brand really execute that well and get results from it. During this interview, Avi does a great job of sharing how she made the jump out of corporate into her own business and actually, surprisingly, how she actually went back into corporate while having her own business. That's a really interesting story. A total ninja marketing strategy that she used in order to acquire some of her first clients, which I will allude to in the very end of this as well in the outro. And how she's gone from a total startup to having $2 million in sales and building an extraordinary company. So let's get rolling with Avi. Avi, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. You are in freezing cold Boulder, Colorado right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cold. I was just thinking, I was telling you before that I'm like a desert girl moved to like the beaches of Florida. So like being it, like living in a space that actually has constant snow is like so foreign to me. But you've been there quite some time, right? I have. I came to school, University of Colorado Boulder, and I have stayed. It's an amazing town and amazing for my business, so there hasn't been any reason to leave. That's awesome. Well, definitely let's get into your business. Um, I, I would really like to know a little bit of the background as to maybe why you got some ideas to start your business and what some of those in, where the, some of those interests came from. So you can, can you give us a little bit of that background? Yeah, definitely. I started 
Well, I knew I loved natural foods, and I got my first job in the industry for with Izzy, the beverage company in college. I was a gymnastic coach in college, and one of the investors was a dad and one of the, of the girls in my group. So he got me my internship at Izzy, and after that, I just knew that was where I was supposed to live for the rest of my life in the natural food world. Um, let's see. Oh, man. So, so you were doing so you were doing that in college and then so you were interning for that so you got you know you definitely were like okay this is where I need to be at, at some point you you actually like jumped from Izzy to a couple big name um, companies can you mention some of those and some of the things that you learned there I did yeah I I jumped around quite a bit in my young life um, I was the happy recipient of a layoff from Izzy while they were in their transition from being a small private beverage company to being owned by Pepsi. So later in my career, I found out that they let go everyone who was under a year of employment whose staffs hadn't vested. I don't know if you're legally allowed to say that, but they let go about half of the company when they were trying to be acquired by Pepsi. So that was my first job and my first layoff, which is, you know, interesting to happen with the same, the same industry, the same brand. Um, so it sort of thickened my skin. And from there, I went on to work for um, an experiential marketing agency named Action Marketing Group and sort of got a different brand side perspective than, or sorry, an agency side perspective than being on the brand side. So now I've seen the full spectrum, like working for the brand or working with an agency for the brand. Um, I didn't last long there. I just made a huge life decision to quit my job and go travel the world for six months, which was amazing. Love it. Where'd you go? I went all over Southeast Asia, um, Oceania, China, um, pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I did the whole sort of that side of the country. And it was great, you know, and, you know, one of the coolest things that I found about traveling is that I actually really love where I live, and so I felt so fortunate the whole time that I was away meeting people who are from all sorts of horrible big cities, like, trying to get away from where they live, and I was like, oh, I'm trying to experience life. I love where I live, so I came home and just felt so fortunate for the life that I have. Um... I went from there and I started working for a small startup called Pixie Mate, and that's really where Front and Center started. Um, I worked for Pixie Mate, and, you know, we were bootstrapping it and making things up as we went, and the company just never could get the footing, and it was, like, always a struggle waiting for the money to come in from the distributor and, like, hoping to get the next order, and it was, like, this vicious cycle where... We never really were able to make ends meet. And so my job doing marketing there was really like, how can I be so scrappy and, you know, get the sales to come in so that the business can keep going? Um, And in doing that, like, how can I keep myself busy while I'm sitting here for 40 hours a week? Right. (laughs) And so front and center marketing was started. (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah, in the downtime with, you know, working for a small company and that was really the impetus starting my business was, you know, I felt bad 
some of these small businesses, like these small brands, they can't pay the salary of someone, but they actually need the work to be done. Right. And so that's, you know, that's what I started. I was like, I want to be this company that any small business, any small brand, any small food product can look to and say like, we can't necessarily do it ourselves, but we need it done. So what, what were those first steps that you took to actually like create this business? Because my goodness, anyone who has started a business knows that that those initial steps out of corporate, even if you're in a very entrepreneurial, you know, space, which you were with this startup, and moving over into really jumping off and doing it yourself is a huge, huge shift. So what were some of those things that you did right away? And in order to really prepare for that? Yeah, you know what? I didn't do anything huge. <laughs> I bought a website. I thought of a name, got a logo, registered with the state. And then I was fortunate, you know, I was already in the industry. So like Whole Foods would send out an email to all their contacts, like every brand that partnered with them or did demos. And sometimes they would make the great slip for me and CC instead of BCC everyone. So I started gathering everyone's email address that had anything to do with Whole Foods. That is why I love that trick. Yeah. (laughs) And so I just started thinking like, what am I going to do for my business? And I started creating like my little PowerPoint slides of like, this is what I do and this is how much it costs. And I just started blasting them out to that list every month. Wow. So walk us through like how you actually put your package together. Like what, what is front and center? What, what do you actually provide for, for the companies that you work with? Yeah, definitely. So we provide consumer sampling. So basically anytime that a consumer would get a taste or a product or a sample of something, that's what we do. So it might be in store, it might be at an event, it might be on the street. Anytime a consumer is experiencing or finding a new product, that's where we are. Well, I've got to ask this, Avi, because, you know, as a marketing agency and someone who loves food, I mean, that's so specific. Like that, like I, uh, when I first started researching you, I really expected you to just sort of be like, Oh, you know, there's here's this marketing company for anyone who has a food business and you would do everything under the sun just like a lot of marketing agencies do. Why did you decide yeah. to really niche down to just deal with people dealing with sampling? Yeah, because when you taste something, you typically buy it. And we I want to do something that I can stand behind. And you know, if you look on our website, like the brands that we work with are amazing. And I was on an agency call with another agency, a huge agency out of Minneapolis today, and we're executing a program with them. And I got off the call and I'm like, what a perfect mix of ideas and execution. So we're an agency that actually does the idea. But most agencies outsource the idea and they don't know if the idea is actually possible. Mm. So what we do is we are great idea people and we execute so we know when we sell you something that it's possible. (laughs) So I've got to ask you this. How do you actually keep metrics and numbers so that you know 
when a hundred people sample something, X amount of dollars come in, like because you know, with the idea, with the marketing company who comes up with the idea, like you said, yeah. there's like this different component of execution, and it really depends on that execution you know, team to really keep all the numbers. So what do you guys do to really keep numbers to make sure that your clients know the metrics of the samplings and making sure that different types are working and tweaking them and all all those sorts of things? Yeah. And that's definitely one of the hardest things that we've come up against. And we have worked with different ideas and different, you know, with in-store demos, it's fairly easy. Like we know when we're in the store and there's all sorts of companies that provide like the data to what's sold on that day so it's pretty easy for our field programs it's a little more difficult coupon redemption is one of the things that you can look at but it's a pretty low redemption number because the brands that we work with are pretty you know typically a high price point brand in terms of like the whole category so we're targeting a demographic of people that's not a coupon redeeming demographic like myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a coupon for 50 cents on the street and probably have a huge incentive to remember it and then redeem it where I would just buy the product that was $2 and 50 cents anyways. Um, we're working on some great ideas for next year. Um, like, uh, instant win and instant redeemable coupon where we're giving away a great incentive for people to follow up with us on our website after seeing us. Mm. How have you- but it is. That is definitely one of the hardest things. The metrics is the hardest thing with our program. Well, because, I mean, your clients, I'm sure, are asking for numbers. Because are you, is your company the one actually putting on the show? Like you, or you will just help them and give them all the things that they need to actually go set up a table at Whole Foods? You know, like, like where, what, what role do you, does your company play in that? Yep. We are actually putting on the show. We are doing the logistics. We're doing the table creation. We're doing everything. Our brands are just saying, this is what we're hoping for, or they're coming to us saying, like, what's your recommendation for us for next year? And we're coming back to them, like, here's what we did this year, here's what we've done in the past, here's our idea, here's our concept, and we're going out there, and we're actually the ones executing. Got it, Uh got it. Well, very cool. So I I would imagine that there are many opportunities for you to really partner hand-in-hand with maybe another marketing company that they're using for a lot of um, other stuff that's, you know, totally outside of that stuff. So maybe, because that's very integrated into, like, you know, an offline, online marketing campaign. So how do you guys end up working with different other marketing companies? And have you found success doing that? Yeah, you know, we have with a bunch of our brands, we've worked with their different agencies, like their creative agency and their PR agency. Um, And typically, for a brand that doesn't do like a lot of print advertising, or a lot of TV advertising, if they're only doing social and sampling, then the social and the creative are just coming up with different kinds of campaigns. And then again, we're the one executing them. So, you know, it works pretty seamlessly. Like if they decide they want to do a big PR push around one of our brands, Noosa, they did a big PR push around the launch of Pumpkin in Target. So they sponsored something at the state fair and their PR agency 
handled everything on the PR side, and then we handled everything on the execution side. From your vantage point, and I'm thinking specifically because there are a lot of women who listen to this show who um, have product, and it's a food-based product, and it's very mm-hmm. normal in that industry to go out and show, go to expos, go to food things, you know, a little taste of whatevers. What what sort of tips can you give that would make their um, presence there really effective? Yeah, I would say... Um, you know, and I talk to a lot of people as well, and they you need to build your brand in the beginning on your own so that you know what all the steps take. You know, you should be going to all the demos, and you should be out there talking to people. You can keep refining your brand, and then unless you have the money behind you, don't build too fast too soon. You know, it's it's expensive to build a brand, so... Stay within your realm before you feel like you should expand too quickly and then you outpace yourself. Um, you know, there's so many awesome products and it's tricky to find that, you know, not everyone is going to succeed, but if you really know your, pre- your product and you know your target market and then you grow organically, I think that gives you a better chance. Um, you know, I think we're all as entrepreneurs watching Shark Tank every week and I'm like <laughs> such a big fan of their show and, you know, it's awesome when they give someone advice and they're like, you know, it's been five years or it's been three years or two years and like, you're not succeeding. And I think that's the biggest thing is like owning a business, you have to be pretty fluid and you can't be so stuck in your idea. Like where my business is now from where it started is such a different place that I'd say for any small business owner and you know any entrepreneur like don't get so into yourself that you can't see what's the right thing to do for your business Mm, that's so true I always say and I've said it on the show before but I, I I say a lot that like ego and business cannot live together because yeah you have to be able to see the business as its own system and totally like you know, like like this entity, this living, breathing, evolving entity that just you are there to support it and to figure out how to make it work better and work more efficiently. And the moment that your ego gets in it, it gets rough. It gets really rough. Totally. <laughs> spoken yeah, I mean, spoken from somebody who's done skin. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to have a thick skin. You know, I'm yeah. client facing all the time. So like anything that happens with any of my you know, field programs, if I have 10 managers out there, like it comes down onto me and you have to have thick skin and you have to separate yourself, your ego and your emotions from your business. It's hard to do, but I think, you know, that helps you become successful. Well, let's talk about the kind of transitions that you've had and all the different evolutions you've had. You know, when you first started, it, you really were just kind of like doing this marketing out to all the CC people who were part of the Whole Foods yeah. list. And you're just kind of, you know, building up clientele one by one. Talk a little bit about how you have evolved as far as like, you talked about, you know, slow growth and not growing too fast. So what have been maybe like that first moment when you're like, crap, I need to expand. And here's, I'm either going to do it by hiring some people or I'm going to contract out certain things. So, you know, talk, walk us through a few of those evolutionary steps for you and what they've meant. Yeah, you know, I actually, so I 
keep a lot of things on my own plate. Um, in the beginning, I did all the work. So like I said, we do the ideas and we do the execution. So I was doing both. Like I was the one at the demos and I was traveling across the country to events. And it's funny because within the first year of starting this business, I saw an ad on Craigslist and it happened to be for Larabar. Um, Larabar had just been acquired by General Mills and I saw the ad and I was like, I'm just starting my business. It's really scary. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. So I responded to the ad for Larabar and it was just a contract position. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. I can be a contractor for General Mills and I can get my business going and I'll feel a little bit of security and like keep building the business as much as I can on the side. And then you know, a few months in, maybe I think I worked as a contractor for General Mills for four months, and then they said, we want to hire you on full time. <laughs> so I was like probably about a year into my business, and I decided, okay, I'm going to focus on General Mills and work for them, and I'm going to transition and have my husband run my business. How'd because I didn't want to let it go. <laughs> wow. You know, it was interesting. That's All a hard decision to make. So it is, and... It's funny because my, so I did that for four years. I worked for General Mills for four years. And year number one, I, I gave my husband the business. I was like, you run the business. You can consult from, with me. You know, it was a work from home position for General Mills. So I was still around. Um, and then really my company was so validated in my job through General Mills because, again, there wasn't enough for me to do in my position with them. So I came back into the business and sort of ran both things at the same time, which I'm sure you're not really supposed to say. But I ran my business for years two through five while I maintained my job at General Mills because, like you said, it is scary to have your own business and we both worked for my company now, my husband and I. So our whole family income was wrapped around our company, which, you know, it's, it's a scary place to be. Um, so I kept my job at General Mills <laughs> and I, I did both together. So, you know, I, I didn't really hire anyone or outsource anything because I just wanted to keep the company growing and get to a place where I could leave my other job and then really hire myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm real. I'm so appreciative that you're so open about that because there are so many women who do the exact same thing. We always, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard it called like the side hustle. You know, it's like, okay, you go to your, your day job, you go to your thing. And then at night you're spending your time building your business and, yep. it, it, you know, you commented, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But like, you know, like, so many people do that. And they're trying to get that mm -hmm. to that breaking point that that breaking point when their businesses is, is making enough money that it could pay the salary that they're making in their day job. What was that point for you? Like, when did you finally say, okay, I'm ready, my business, you know, my business can take me on now? Yeah, I it was within the last two years. Um, and we, I'd say, from six years ago, we have at least doubled in billings every year since I started. Wow. Um, yeah, which is pretty great growth. Um, and it just got to the point where I was like, 
I'm working myself to the bone. Like, I'm working every weekend, all day, every night, and we're doing fine. Like, our business is growing, and we've, you know, we passed a million dollar in billing, and we passed the two million dollar in billing, and at that point, it's like, this is this is good. Wow, yeah. I think we're, <laughs> we're onto something stable. here. I think we got it. <laughs> yeah, we're stable. I mean, this is this is a business. <laughs> now, for a $2 million business, I can't imagine it was just you and your husband still doing stuff, was it? Like, were you, were you now contracting so, stuff out? I was. So I hired on one of my coworkers from General Mills. So we have, at this point six years in, I have myself, my husband, um, and then two other full-time employees. Got it. Yeah. And so we, we have a ton of independent contractors. We've got, you know, 200 people who work for us on the demo end and then another 200 people who work for us on the program side. Um, but for full-time staff, we run the business on four people. Wow. That is incredible for a $2 million business. What what have been one of the, um, I, I'm going to ask like, you know, like a really low point. Like I know that there's this point that so many are not, so many people listening are nodding their heads right now saying, yes, I've done that before, trying to balance it all, whether it's a, another, you know, building a business on the side or I had a different job or I was, you know, trying to be full-time mom and build my company and everyone's nodding their head. So I know that that's a dark time, but like, in the building of your business over these years, what have been one of those moments that has been super challenging for you? Maybe you didn't know if you were going to get through it. Um, and then how did you get through it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd say they come up frequently. Um, <laughs> I, I have tough skin. I run my business. I am the boss of my husband. I'm the boss of my family. I have two little kids. I'd say the hardest times are, like I said, is I'm client-facing, so everything comes down to me. So, like, a big budget cut from a big brand, and this year we've had two of them. And, like, that's a low, you know? You're supporting your whole family, your livelihood. You've got nothing else to back you up, and your two biggest brands come to you and say, like, we are cutting 75% of your budget. Ouch. Yeah, it's a big hit, and, you know, it's it takes you down, but I feel like, like I said before, like, just trying to separate my personal self from my business self, it's hard, but I think doing that has allowed me to just say, you know, get back up, they're not everything, and that's why I started this company, to diversify myself and not go through my Izzy experience, where... You know, I was working my butt off and giving everything I had to a company who was going to lay me off just so the executives could make more money when they sold. Right. And so, you know, just remembering, like, I have the time now to spend a little bit more time with my kids and a little bit more time with my family. And I'm the kind of person who's always going to succeed. So I'm just going to get out there and find another client. And that's what happened. I mean, we had in March a 75% budget cut from our huge brand, and we're still closing the year higher than we closed last year. Wow. 
So you've just made you you've more than made up for that. What have been some of your most effective marketing strategies? Like, I understand now you've like built this brand like in the industry, but what are the ways that people are finding out about you that is most effective for you? We are all word of mouth. So the most effective marketing strategy that we have is doing a really good job with what we do. I like that. Wow. And I mean, it is really just these companies just saying, hey, you know, if you're out giving demos, you need to you need to talk to this company, you need to talk to front and center. Exactly. Yep. Like brands will see our reps and say, who do you work for? And our reps say they work for us. I mean, there are independent contractors out there, they could just say they work for themselves, but they don't. We've built a really great team with our independent contractor team. They feel connected to us. They like working for us. Um, We're always trying to make things better for them. So it's really like treating our people well, doing a good job for our clients. It's, you know, that's all we need at this point. Yeah. I want to know the dynamics between you you and your husband. And I say this because my husband and I work together. And uh, we we own a business together. And um, he is, I guess you could technically call him my boss. By the way, this is the first time on record I'm ever saying that. (laughs) And, you know, he owned the business first. He started the business. And then very soon afterwards, I came into the business. I I have ownership in the company, but he's definitely the majority owner. Like, how do you two work that? Because it's so, I mean, there, there are power differentials. There's who has a final say mm-hmm. on different parts of the business, and then you have to go home and love each other. You know, so how do you guys totally. manage that? Well, we have a great therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> yep, check. <laughs> um, and then you know we do different things, and we have different strengths. And I can't say that it's easy because it is not easy at all. It's super difficult, especially with him not being the boss, you know, and it's not his personality to be the boss, but he wouldn't want to be the boss even if he was. So it's tricky in that aspect, you know, that he works for me and that I remind him of things and give him tasks. And that is really, it's, it's trying. Um, But at the end of the day, like we get to see our kids all the time. We're huge proponents of vacation and getting away so we get to do that when we can and probably more frequently than most people and so it's those things that you know that help us like justify working together and the struggles that come with that I will 100% say it is not easy (laughs) (laughs) we always say like you know um, even though it is really, really, really challenging, it's also this whole element of our relationship that we get to experience that's totally like an entity in and of itself. It's, it just adds this whole yeah. third dimension to our relationship, which is pretty cool, I think. So Yeah. And, you know, your successes, like, you don't have to split them up with someone else. Like, you get to enjoy all of your success. Mm. where if you had a partner, you know, you you have a partner, but this partner is your partner in everything. So all the success that you find in your business, like you get to share in your personal life as well. I like that. Um, how do you think that you have evolved most as a businesswoman over these years that you've had your company? Yeah, um, I'd say, you know, probably the tough skin and probably 
being a little bit more accommodating and forgiving. I'm a pretty tough person just in general. Um, and I've evolved in, you know, being able to accept when I've done something wrong and being able to receive criticism. And I'm always working on that, asking for feedback. And, um, yeah, I've evolved in a million ways. I mean, you start doing your own demos, you know, for your small fee, and then you end up that you're payrolling, like, hundreds of people every few weeks. So it's definitely a change in personality. And I'd say I feel extremely grateful, and I have probably didn't feel that way when I started. Mm. <laughs> I feel grateful, and I feel like I have a lot of people's livelihood in my hands and so I'm always trying to work to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for everyone I love that well that is the perfect time for me to transition into the favorite five are you ready yep let's do it all right I would like to know what is your favorite business book Okay, so it's not a business book, and I'm not a business book reader. Okay, any book. This awesome book for my family is How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. Ooh, who's, who wrote and that? And it's all about, um, oh my gosh, I don't know the author. I can go grab it and tell you, but it's amazing, and it's just really about learning to listen to people and what they're actually saying. <laughs> Nice. Very good. It hey, is. That's definitely. Del Faber and Elaine Maslish. Gotcha. And that those will be in the show notes, by the way, so you can listen to them or uh, have a direct link to that book. Um, yeah, those listening skills are directly, I mean, applicable to every element of your life. So that's a sounds like yeah. a great book. Okay. How yeah. about how about your favorite business tool? Maybe um, what I'm thinking here is like an app or something cool, some sort of like tool or resource that you use in your business that maybe not everyone knows about. Okay. Um, I mean, Google, Gmail, Gchat. <laughs> I think Gchat is like the saving grace just because I have, you know, 200 people out there who are text messaging me or trying to get in touch with me. And I know it's not a secret, but I, I answer all my text messages on my computer. <laughs> oh, that's great. Love it. Love it. Okay. How about, um, how about one of your favorite places to eat in Boulder, Colorado? Okay. Um, I like a little place called Amu. It's Japanese bar food. It's Izikaya. Nice. That sounds very good. Anu, yeah. you said? Amu, A-M-U. A-M-U. All right. So if you're going to Boulder, Colorado, you got to go eat at Amu. And totally. number four, what is what of your favorite mommy tools? You just you have an eight month old little boy Charlie, so yep, and a two and a half year old. Oh my goodness! So you've got your hands full. So what is one of those like pieces of devices or something that's like a saving grace for you as a mom? You know, I'm totally. I got two boys, and we got balls all over the house. <laughs> I love Beach it. ball, soccer ball, any kind of ball, they're into it. <laughs> love it. Um, and the last question is, um, you have visited a lot of the world, it sounds like. What is one of your favorite cities that you've ever been in? Okay. Um, I would say I'm a Hawaii person. I'm not a city person. I'm a beach person. So 
take me anywhere in Hawaii and I'll be happy. Nice. Very, very nice. Well, Avi, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for getting in deep about your business and your journey. It was uh, very, very educational. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. BizWomenRock.com forward slash 126 is where you will find all the show notes for this conversation today, um, including her favorite five, which were all very good. So it's no surprise that the biggest nugget that I got from that was her cool little, you know, trickster little way that she was able to acquire some of those very first clients and start to get people on her email list, which was Whole Foods, you know, put people on a, you know, CC in the email that they blasted this email out to and didn't BCC them. And she just started, you know, taking some of those emails and, you know, making sure that her stuff was going to them too. You know, what's the harm in that? (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was really um, it's smart, just really, really smart and, um, uh, you know, aware, just being aware of what's right there in front of you. So hope you got a lot out of this conversation that you can now go implement into your business. And I will see you on the next episode. I've built a custom website for what we do. So we're hopefully a few months away from launching like a licensing or like a, a second phase to it where every everyone who does demos anywhere could could license us or like get a subscription.